26. So listen with me to God's word. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 to 26. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Amen. It was, um, I think, 17 years ago, on, um, this uh, last January, that PCA pastor Jack Arnold preached on this text. Uh -oh. This is his life <laughs> verse. So here's. <laughs> Here we go. And uh, I. I ever, I, um, I didn't know Jack personally, um, but he, but I know people who knew him well. In fact, his church, Covenant uh, Church in Winter, was now in Winter Park, was in Orlando at the time, um, is instrumental in the mission to uh, Egypt that I know. I'm in the seminary training of pastors in Egypt. But uh, Jack had been a um, basketball star in uh, college. He, he played for John Wooden on national championship teams. He'd gone to a very high level in the sports world. And then he went into the ministry. And he was preaching. At, he, was, he was 69 years old, and he was preaching on uh, this text. And I think I meant to put it in this morning. Several things that dropped out of this morning's sermon He said, for me to live is Christ to die is gain. And when I go to heaven, at that moment, he uh, died instantly in the pulpit of a heart attack. And it made the national news wires, and everyone was, was all the buzz about this preacher preaching on. So I always approach Philippians uh, <laughs> <laughs> 26 with some trepidation. <laughs> but at the same time, I think uh, what a glorious testimony of God's faithfulness uh, to this man of God. And he was a true man of God uh, to so boldly preach. It was on January, I found it in my notes, January 9th, 2005. You can look it up on the internet. It's famous. It made all the news wires. Uh, his last words when he quoted this text were, when I die and I go to heaven. And he went to heaven 
in that moment. To live is Christ, to die is gain. There, the Apostle Paul tells us in um, uh, one of the epistles to Timothy that there are two certainties in this life. One is that we have brought nothing into it, and it is certain that we will take nothing out of it. Death stalks every one of us, not only in the pulpit, but it stalks us every, every single human being from the moment we are conceived in the womb in some, uh, how many millions and billions never make it out of the womb alive, uh, ultimately, short of the coming of Christ, and I'm convinced from reading 1 Corinthians 15 that even at that point, we won't just skip into heaven in these mortal bodies. It says we're going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and what a glorious day uh, that will be. The truth is, we all die. I, for some crazy reason, I always, I, um, I, I try to resist sports illustration and movie illustrations, because I think we have too many of those, but if I watch a movie, it's usually an old movie, and one of my favorite old movies is The Bridge Over the River Kwai. I don't know if you remember that movie about the, uh, the uh, British prisoners and, and turned uh, at the, um, on the on the Bataan Death March way and and they were uh, given this uh, constant task of building a bridge under the merciless um, uh, ruthless uh, Japanese guards and they were soldiers are taught if you're captured that you engage you continue to risk uh, to resist even if you're captured and it's a model of how prisoners should resist and try to escape and and, uh, and try to do what they can to to uh, thwart their captors and so they were at, at uh, forced to build this bridge under penalty of death and, and they were caught in one of their devices of trying to, to impede the work and and the Japanese officer comes screaming out of the building with a sword screaming, all die, all die. And I think, you know, that's so true. That's exactly the truth that we all need to hear. We will all die. And we need to hear it with that kind of urgency. The wages of sin is death, Romans 3.23. We, what we earn, what we deserve for our sin is death. But the free gift of God is, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, constant guard, uh, under constant guard uh, by the Roman soldiers, chained to him on a daily basis. Cries out in this text of the joy that he has that in spite of his imprisonment and even because of his providential imprisonment, the gospel is going forth. And it is in this he rejoices. He is full of joy over this fact. Now, we have a God-given 
natural aversion to dying. That is, that is a gift of God. Um, uh, I think it was John Wesley who famously said, we are, we, we, we are given the gift from God that we, we seem to be immortal until the day we die. We, and, we, and otherwise, life would be psychologically impossible. When people don't get a handle of that in their daily life, they live in hopelessness and despair, and that's why we have a suicide epidemic among young people, among really all ages, because of this loss of hope, of living that God instinctively builds into us as image bearers. And some people, uh, and, and if you read this text, you, well, you read the Apostle Paul here, you almost sense something of a death wish, and that is wrong. There's a famous interchange between uh, George Whitfield, one of the early, um, I call him a Reformed Methodist. He was a Calvinistic Methodist. Of the, in fact, in, in Wales, there's still a Calvinistic Methodist church that George Whitfield was instrumental in founding. And um, he had an interaction with Gilbert Tennant, who, the famous Congregational Minister who who I was reminded, someone gave me a book this week, and I was just reminded of that interaction between uh, George Whitfield and Gilbert Tennant when uh, George Whitfield came to this country to preach uh, in, the, in the Great Awakening at the, at the founding of this nation. Gilbert Tennant was advanced in years, and George Whitfield, being the young whippersnapper preacher, said some crack to him. I said, aren't you really anxious to go to heaven? And, George, and Gilbert Tennant said, I will be here and doing my work for the king until he calls me to glory. And no, I am not ready to go until that day he calls me. And that is really the sense of how we should read the Apostle Paul. That's what he's saying. For me, it's better to be with the Lord. But now it's better for me to be here in order to serve you with the ministry of the gospel, even in these trying, difficult circumstances. This is the attitude that we should have. I am. Um, at funerals, we, we, hear, we hear these strange things, don't we? We hear these strange things. And, and, I, and, and this is one that is not strange. It's true of every believer. You know? And, and uh, they'll say some, somebody will say something like, well, he's in a better place. And if he knows the Lord, and it's certain that he knows the Lord, that's certainly true. But I've heard that said at times where I'm thinking, well, I'm not sure for some people, this is their best life now. If they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, what waits beyond is indescribable horror of being separated from God in eternal punishment forever. It is better for the believer to be with Christ 
It is better to think like this. I often used in hospital visitation when someone is dying, 2 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul. So a wonderful exhortation in 2 Corinthians 5 where he's talking about this earthly tent he dwells in and how it's being torn down. And he knows his time is short. He says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Indeed, that is better. It is better to be with Christ. Have your life united to Christ now is also good. This is your best life. Union with Christ now is the best life you can possibly have. <coughs> to be separated from the world and united to Christ is what every believer is called to be. Our problem in the United States of America is we want all of our creature comforts to go with that union uh, with Christ, right? I always, I always smile when I sing that wonderful hymn, um, Soldiers, I think it's called uh, Soldiers of Christ. I can't, I should have looked it up, but I just remember the line over and over. It plays over and over in my head. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fight to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? And I think... Well, I kind of like that bed of ease. It's kind of like nice to have Christ and have it easy. But that's not what we're called to. We're, we are called to be engaged in a spiritual battle until we take our last exile and exhale on earth. Until we take our last breath on earth, we are engaged in spiritual warfare with the enemies of our soul, the world system that hates Christ and hates his people who are united to him, our own sinful flesh that Paul writes about in Romans 7, where we don't identify with our sinful flesh, but we hate the sin that it carries. The good I would, I do not do, but I practice the very evil I hate. Paul says. He doesn't identify with his sin. He hates his sin. That should be our motivation. That What should motivate us? Verse 24 and 25. Well, this is why we're here. This is what Paul says. This is why I'm still here. This is why I exist. This is why I live. This is why I have a ministry. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And I am convinced of this. I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. I do confess that that uh, when I'm near a dear brother or sister who's about to be with the Lord, 
and, and see the difference. And if you visit enough people dying, you know the difference between someone who knows the Lord and someone who doesn't. It's so marked. It's so incredibly marked. I, I think of some great saints I've seen me go, go be with the Lord. Um, we, we just lost a great saint in our in our family churches named Bernie Kuyper. His son Mark pastors up in Grove, Oklahoma now. Bernie was a was a he was a force to be reckoned with. But uh, uh, Bernie told the story of when I remember hearing his uh, stories when he preached. He told the story of his father. His father's dying, and uh, the family comes in uh, to try to comfort him. And he's just laughing with hilarity. Hmm. Invites them to come here and feel this leg, how cold it is. I'm fixing to be gone out of this world. I'm going to be with Jesus. Now that's, that's someone who's prepared spiritually. I think, I think it's very similar with uh, your grandpa, Dr. Richard Chuny, who graced us with it, your dad, who graced us with his presence. Every almost, I think, did he miss a Sunday before he passed? I, I can't, I think he made it every Sunday and he was dying and he was laughing and full of joy every time you saw him. He made himself come to trade, wasn't about to lay down in the bed, he was going to enjoy his time with the Lord and his people and his family until he was called home. And yet, he wasn't ready to go until God called him. It's about motivation. There's, a, there's two sides to that. One is the <coughs> desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is not just better here, it says far better, much better. But to remain in the flesh is necessary. And this was Gilbert Tennant's point to George Whitfield. It's until the Lord is done with me and the ministry I have to others to glorify him here, I will press on. Jesus left his church with one task. The one thing needful that we are to do, and we are to make disciples. We are to baptize, we are to make disciples by baptizing and teaching everything that Jesus commanded. And we are to be involved in that work as his church until he returns. And while we have breath to draw on earth, this is what we are called to do either directly going the missions conference eat I'll get started on missions conference tonight either by being going where you're called to go on the mission field or by supporting those who are there we are either we're either on the front line or we're either supporting those on the front line that's what we're called to do and then finally we see the result of that faithfulness. What is, what is the chief end of man? This group should know. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. 
That's what Paul says. That you might have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul planned to get out of prison. If, if the scholars are right, and this is his um, um, imprisonment in Rome, he didn't get to fulfill that desire, although he did through his letters, through his communications, through his messengers, he indeed sent the glorious truth of the gospel out. Uh, but the but the abiding principle in everything he did should be the same abiding principle in every one of God's children, which is we glorify God. We magnify and exalt him. Amen. Father, bless your understanding, the reading and application of your word uh, tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our hymn of preparation for communion is sacred and now with you.